thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Uh, all of the feels this evening. I've stolen that line off Matt Willis, but how great is it to be here this evening? Would you join with me in prayer as we carry on? Father, I thank you that you are here with us. Lord, I thank you uh, that you delight in stories uh, being told of where people are encountering you and experiencing what it means to live this life following Jesus, learning more about that, stepping into that. Father, I pray that we uh, would be willing right now to step into a moment of letting you lead us, shape us, uh, teach us, reveal something to us, uh, and that we be soft, prepared, uh, ready to go with you. In Jesus' name I pray. <clears throat> Amen. Well, this series in Proverbs is all about exploring wisdom. And in particular, it's about exploring God's wisdom. And because it is God's wisdom, it is observable in the world around us. Because God didn't just make the world and the physical things that we see around us, but he also made the kind of moral code, the way things work that sits behind all of that. So we can see when we examine Proverbs um, in the context of the world, that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger in someone. And we can also assess kind of modern Proverbs that aren't necessarily in the Bible, like too many cooks spoil the broth, or soup, if that doesn't mean anything to you. Or where there's a will, there's a relative. But what Proverbs tell us sometimes, I'm English, come on, I've got to be allowed to have terrible jokes. So what Proverbs tell us sometimes takes a bit of exploration. Um, I was chatting with my wife this afternoon, and uh, she said that her lecturer described Proverbs like a boiled sweet. We have to kind of put them in and suck on them a bit and, uh, and mull them over. And sometimes the deepest truth, the wisdom that God is leading us to is hidden behind maybe one or two or three preconceptions or conclusions that we've jumped to too quickly. And the proverb that I have been exploring this week is in chapter 16, verse 32. And that is going to go up on the screen because it's very helpful when we're exploring this to see it written because uh, we kind of keep coming back to it and thinking, oh yeah, what does that mean? So hopefully that will be helpful. So Proverbs 16:32 says, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And often when we are looking at particular verses within scripture, we can kind of explore the context of that verse to help give us an idea of what is trying to be said in that. And Proverbs, unfortunately, kind of, they work slightly differently. Often, they're quite uh, standalone statements that you can look at the context, but sometimes that doesn't give you much help uh, there. And so you have to kind of explore a bit further afield, looking um, at some of the other Proverbs to see if there are any patterns that emerge. And thankfully, there is a pattern that emerges for this proverb, thankfully for me. So after a bit of reading, I discovered that this proverb follows a particular pattern 
and that pattern is the better than pattern. Better than proverbs do just that. They describe something that is better than something else. Who'd have thought? But often, what they describe as better is actually only better because of the context that we find it in. My favorite example of this um, is just before our proverb for this evening in chapter 15, verse 17, that says this. Better a small serving of vegetables than a fattened calf with hatred. Sorry, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Or as other translations put it, better a small serving of vegetables with love than prime beef with hate. I loved it. Now, unless you are a vegetarian, prime beef is desirable. But when it's accompanied by hate, I would rather have veggies with love, please. It's the context that makes veggies better. Now, I know some of you are going to argue with me on that, but it's wisdom, it's in the Bible, and you can't, so let's move on. (laughs) But I love that the better than proverb is a way that wisdom is being taught to us in the context of the Bible. I love that this is one way that wisdom is revealed to us, because wisdom is not about pointing out the obvious. It's about seeing one way of living and being shown a better one. And I'm convinced that Jesus is not about teaching us right from wrong, but he is about inviting us into better, into the best way to live. And that is what makes following Jesus so great, because it's the best way to live, and we don't need to worry about the other ones. So I applied this newfound understanding of better than Proverbs to this proverb to see what it led to. Better a patient person uh, than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And I first thought, this is clearly about avoiding conflicts. Being a warrior or taking a city at any point in history is going to involve a kind of conflict. And it is very unlikely that back in 7 or 800 BC, uh, when Proverbs was kind of compiled and brought together, that taking a a city would simply involve marching up to the door of that city and saying, I'm frightfully sorry to bother you, but would you mind awfully if we were to perhaps take this city? And it's very unlikely that the answer to that request would be, but of course, come on in. Would you like it gift-wrapped? It's very unlikely that that was going to be the pattern of taking a city. There is conflict in being a warrior, taking a city. It's kind of an aggressive act. And this proverb says that it is better to be patient and self-controlled than to do that. So as someone who is not afraid of conflict, but does prefer conflicts to be resolved very quickly, thank you very much, I was pretty keen to jump on to this as the meaning for this proverb. But there's lots in the Bible that reminds us that we are actually in a battle. Jeremiah 51 describes God's people as a war club against the rebellious people of Babylon. Ephesians 6 reminds us to put on 
the armor of God, to stand firm against the spiritual battle that is raging over us. And this is a spiritual battle that we can't avoid, we can't kind of separate ourselves from. And the Bible literally invites us to become warriors. Maybe God's fortune favors the brave. So maybe this proverb isn't about avoiding conflict, but maybe it's about the speed at which we engage with that conflict. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Maybe it means don't be hasty, because we all know that only fools rush in. The NRSV version of this proverb translates it slightly differently. It translates it like this. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. When we read the proverb this way, it is almost, well, it seemed to me like it's almost describing the mighty or warriors as hot-headed people whose single focus is simply to get the job done. And we all know people like this. This was the kid at school who was so desperate to get his homework out of the way to get out and play. This may have been you, and it didn't matter whether you'd use actual words in your essay. I just have to get it done and get out to take back the city. I know people like this. You know people like this. People who just have to get it done and get on with life. So perhaps this proverb is inviting us to slow down and not to react too hastily, not to rush in, to be patient not running straight into conflict, but waiting to see what happens and what will come of that situation. And there would be merit in applying that wisdom to situations in our life. But he or she, for that matter, who hesitates is lost. What if failure to act results in a missed opportunity, or worse, failure to act results in the death of someone else. I was thinking about this imagery of a warrior, and I wondered whether a kind of helpful modern update of that would be to think of a bodyguard. And if a bodyguard who uh, is sworn to protect someone hesitates at the moment that an attacker pulls a knife on them, then the best case scenario is this bodyguard is looking for another job. So I'm not sure that a call not to be hasty in our actions is quite what this proverb is about either. Although that would be an observable piece of wisdom for us to apply in situations in our life. So I think that we're kind of getting closer, circling around over what this proverb might actually be about, but I still don't think that we were quite there yet. So I took another look. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And this time I decided to take a look at the message version of this translation. 
uh, of this proverb. And the message version is very helpful because it was translated by a group of PhD students whose aim was to focus on translating not just the words that were there, but specifically thinking about the meaning and the illustrations here and beginning to translate them into language that we might understand perhaps more uh, easily today. And the message version says it like this. Moderation is better than muscle. Self-control better than political power. Moderation better than muscle seems to suggest that the mind is more powerful than the bicep, which is not a proverb, modern or biblical, I just made it up. But it is kind of like the pen is mightier than the sword, or that it's better to think with your mind than with your fists, which is also not a proverb, but I think it still stands. It's hard to take back a punch to the face, isn't it? I mean, the damage is done. Even if that punch to the face was an important part of self-defense. So that must be right, right? If we act rather than thinking, then we'll do something stupid that we can't take back. We will step into something that we shouldn't do, and then we'll have regret. regret. If you've invaded a city, it's pretty difficult to say, oops, sorry, would, would you like it back? So therefore, it's better to think rather than act, right? We really value thinking in our society. But that didn't seem quite right either. I mean, we are a people who are invited to act. James 1 verse 22 says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Micah 6.8 invites us to be people who do justice, who almost go into battle over it. This life following Jesus is about acting to bring about uh, justice in the world. We are invited to be the body of Christ. We are invited to be Jesus' hands and feet in the context that he invites us to step into. It is about acting against all that is not as God would intend it to be. And if we don't, well, the devil makes work for idle hands, or so the modern proverb tells us. So this proverb can't be just about thinking and not acting in fear that we'll do something that we can't take back. Thinking is not better than acting. So there I was, almost lost in the kind of conflicting arguments of all of these thoughts, as I thought through what this proverb might be trying to teach us, teach me. And then I read something in a commentary on this proverb that really struck me, not physically. The battle over the inner self requires greater strength than that of a battle for a city. The battle over the inner self requires greater strength than that of a battle for a city. In the final Lord of the Rings movie, Gandalf the wizard is having a conversation with Pippin. Get that right. <laughs> Pippin the hobbit. 
on the eve before uh, the battle for Middle-earth. This is the evening before all of the dark forces of Mordor are about to unleash this unholy darkness upon the people of Middle-earth. And in the quiet, Pippin says to Gandalf, there's no stars. To which Gandalf replies, it's the deep breath before the plunge. And we have all experienced the deep breath before the plunge. Well, nearly. The deep breath before the plunge is that moment just after someone has said something or done something to us, and just before all of the fires of our rage start to well up inside us, and we want to retaliate with everything that we have got. That person is often close to you, someone that you love, and it may well not be a trivial situation, but you are about ready to burst. That volcano is gurgling inside, and the deep breath before the plunge is right there in that moment. We are in that moment when our inner warrior is about to come out, and we are going to take the city. And when you look back at moments like these, you realize that the battle that's raging is not the external one that you face, but it's the one that is going on internally, the battle that is raging inside each of us. This is what this proverb is inviting us to recognize. And that situation might totally warrant a strong response. Someone may have damaged something or someone that is very valuable to you. You may have experienced a betrayal or been on the receiving end of a lie. And I'm sure you can all think of moments where there's that deep breath before the plunge. And in that moment, you have the option to act quickly to respond as a warrior about to take the city or, and perhaps, to fracture that relationship beyond repair, to take it to a place that you can't come back from, or to be patient, taking up the gift of self-control and responding, perhaps in a more measured way, a little later on, a way that will help to keep relationships intact. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Better to have kept peace with a friend than asserted your rights in an argument. Better to have won a victory in our hearts than to have won a superficial victory in the world. But we know this is good in theory. We know it's good in theory. But how do we calm the fires that rage within us in that moment when they are about to burst out, when we are about to be the warrior taking the city? How do we self-control? Galatians 5 verse 23 reminds us that self-control is a gift of the Spirit. It's a gift from God's Holy Spirit 
at work within us. And it's a gift from the God who is the same source of all wisdom. And the only way that self-control is going to be a part of who we are in those moments when the fire is raging within inside us is if we invite God by his Holy Spirit to be at work within, within us in the training. In the times when we aren't upset, in the times when we aren't full of rage, in the times when we aren't angered at the situation that, faces, that we're facing, in those moments, we have to invite God by his spirit to be at work in us. And the way to receive gifts is simply to ask. And then to practice and to train with it in the queue at the supermarket whilst we're driving. When we read the comments on social media, our Father in heaven, and we really need to know this, but our Father in heaven wants with all of his heart to give us good gifts. There's nothing that delights him more than giving us his good gifts. I am often upset by injustice. And by that, I mean when something is not fair. And yes, sometimes for other people, but particularly when it is not fair for me. When I see a hint of injustice, that is what brings out my inner warrior. And I need to ask God by the power of his Holy Spirit to be at work in me in those moments when I feel the fires of rage begin to boil when I sense the moment of injustice. But I need to practice engaging with self-control when I am less triggered so that I might be equipped for the moments when with all that's in me, I want to take the city. May I suggest that tonight and going on into the future, that we need to become people who invite God by his Holy Spirit to give us the gift of self-control, that that might be at work within us, because it is better to have won a victory in our hearts than it is to have won a superficial victory in the world. I'm going to invite... Jodine and the band, they're going to come and join me on the platform now. And we are going to take an opportunity to respond, as we have been doing so uh, for the last few weeks now. And this time is all about us engaging with what God has spoken to us, what God has placed upon our hearts, and what I believe and I hope that God is inviting us into. Because we don't come here to engage in thoughts and ideas just to ponder them and and, uh, kind of reflect on them and then just get on with how we've been doing life. We believe that God, Jesus, invites us into transformational moments. That's why our vision statement is to see lives changed by Jesus. So this opportunity now is an opportunity for us to engage with what we believe God is already doing. And I'm going to invite Jodine to lead us in that now.
Thanks, Mark. So, better is a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. It is really easy to escalate and go warrior mode or beast mode, as we talk about today, where we can go from zero to 100 really quickly with the littlest things that can inconvenience, inconvenience us when you're in the car and someone cuts you off or is driving slow. Warrior mode! <laughs> or when things get in the way of our plans and purposes. Or maybe those things that just irk us and trigger us. Or maybe when things feel out of our control or we feel afraid. And our world uh, is so often self-focused, entitled, And it almost reveres lack of self-control. I mean, how many reality shows are of people just going ham and losing losing their mind over things? And people are like, oh, look at them go. We kind of love it. We think it's entertainment. And I think that we can so often look for vindication or retaliation or justification in those moments, whatever has triggered us, because it actually feels good. And as easy it is to go there, it's kind of like a second-rate tacky option. Uh, When we have those moments that trigger us, whatever your thing is, we actually have a choice, a choice to actually cash in that moment for transformation with the wisdom to choose patience and self-control. And I think the thing is when those moments happen, we kind of feel a little bit powerless and we almost like want to worry it back into control. But that's actually an opportunity to invite God's wisdom into our hearts, into our minds and into our actions rather than be a hostage of our own rage. In a room full of a lot of people here, I'm sure we have a range of different things that are going on for us. So let's take a moment to bring before God the things that are on our minds and on our hearts. Can I ask you to get one of your hands? I'm assuming everyone's got two hands. And just lay that on your lap open. And I want you to visualise in your mind and in your heart, what it is that you've got going on in your life. Maybe it's a challenging situation. Maybe it's exciting opportunities with lots of decisions to be made. Maybe it's unavoidable circumstances. Maybe a difficult relationship or you're at a crossroad. Whatever it is, imagine that coming out of your heart, out of your mind and into your hand that thing that is on your mind that's maybe consuming you or maybe just rattling around. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Is it something that you're thinking about often that's maybe taking away your peace? Now, can I get you to get your other hand and just open it and lay it on your other leg? And in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So can I ask on behalf of you all, God, give us all wisdom for the situations that we're facing, that we wouldn't feel alone in those, that we wouldn't feel powerless, that we wouldn't go beast mode or warrior mode too quickly, but we'd actually see the opportunity for transformation, for choice, for the ability to have patience and self-control and that that is the better path, a path that gives us peace, a path that gives us life, love and hope. 
And I'm just going to leave you uh, with this one thing to do. Now get your hands and bring them together. Your situation, God's wisdom. And actually that there is the sign for W in Auslan in sign language. So if you're going through your week and you're like, oh, serenity now, get your hands out and go, situation, God's wisdom, choice, control. That's where they should be. Remind yourself, W, wisdom. But I just want to say some words over us as a a group of people here um, that was uh, written by Reinhold Niebuhr um, some years ago. And I think a lot of us will actually know this when we hear it. I think it's stuck on people's postcards in their dunnies and random places. Anyway, here it is. It says this, God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. So my prayer for you as we step out into this week is that we can see the crossroads we have in our lives and choose patience, choose self-control, choose the better way of wisdom. We're made for it and it's going to give us the peace that we long for. Team are now going to uh, play some songs so that we can respond to God in worship and praise. We're going to have the prayer team available up front if you would like prayer for maybe wisdom or something that you're going through or something we want to praise God for, anything. We would love to pray for you. So can I invite you to stand uh, as the team help us respond in this time. Thanks, guys.